Good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor and it's so good to see you guys here today. Thanks for coming out and braving these uh, treacherous conditions with us this morning. You know, part of being in Asheville in the wintertime is some exciting weather from time to time. And so I'm sure we're going to have a lot of folks joining us online today and we're just honored to have you. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing today. Today is a big day because it marks the beginning of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting. We talked last week about how important it is for us to give God the very first of everything. And in turn, as a part of that, we want to give Him the very first part of our year. And so to do that well, we're going to spend, starting today, the next 21 days in prayer every single day together as a community and fasting so that we can say no to some of the physical things and say yes to some of the spiritual things. We want to start our year off right by acknowledging that I need less of me and more of Him. That I believe God is going to do big things this year in my life and in the lives of those around me and in this church. But if He's going to do it, we got to give Him the place and the space to do it, and we're going to start right now uh, with 21 days of prayer. So here's what that looks like. Uh, Tomorrow morning at 0630, you can join us online for a short video opening up prayer for the day, uh, and then we'll all commit to praying together to start our day. We're going to do themes over the next couple weeks, and then each day we'll have an area within that theme to pray over. The very first week, all we're going to do is focus on God. All we're going to do this week is we pray. It's not about us. In week two, we'll start lifting up prayers over God's dreams for us and the way He's growing us. And then in week three, we're going to pray some intercession over the people in our lives and the people around us. But in week one, all we want to do is worship. We just want to lift it all up to the King and just acknowledge how good He is and everything He's done. And so uh, join us tomorrow morning at 6.30 as we get started uh, in a week of worshiping our Father. And then this Saturday uh, at Seacoast Asheville on Sweeten Creek Road, if you need the address, we'll put it up on our social media or you can just Google Seacoast Asheville. We're going to be partnering with one of our church partners, Seacoast Church, for a prayer service at 8 a.m. on campus there. I'll be leading that service, uh, but their worship team will be leading us in some worship, and uh, we'll be gathering together in prayer with some of their folks and our folks. And, and I, I just, honestly, one of, one of the, the big passions that I have is to see the church, Big C Church, be the church. You know, I just believe it takes more than one church to reach the city of Asheville. And so uh, I'm just so excited for us to come together in prayer on Saturday morning. And that'll be our routine for the next 21 days. Now, on top of the prayer routine, uh, many of us are also going to be fasting over the next three weeks. And I would invite you to join us in a fast over the next 21 days. There's a few different ways to fast and Uh, I covered them last week, and you can get on our website and go to gatherashville.org slash prayer, and we've got some resources about fasting on there, some things you can read. We'll even give you some articles or books to read if you're that 
curious about why we're doing it and the purpose behind it and all of that. But uh, the basic breakdown is you can do a complete fast and only have water uh, and maybe some juices for the next 21 days, or you could do a partial fast, which is um, like a Jewish fast would be where you fast from sun up to sun down over the next 21 days, or you could do a selective fast like the Whole30 plan or Daniel fast, which is just fruits and vegetables for the next 21 days, or you could do a soul fast, which is where you do something like get rid of something that is infiltrating your soul a little bit too much. Maybe it's social media or television or music that's not worship music. I don't know what it is for you, uh, but we all could use a little bit of a soul fast, I think. And so uh, I would just encourage you to join us in a fast. If you feel like discipline is something you want to grow in this new year, you want to see your life achieve more discipline, if you feel like you need help breaking an addiction, or, or if you feel like this is the year you really want to put emphasis on the spiritual in your life, then there's no better way to do it. Uh, than to join us in this ancient practice of saying no to your physical needs so that you can say yes to your spiritual needs. I was talking to my daughter Eleanor yesterday. I was explaining to her how things are going to look a little bit different around our house over the next couple weeks because her mother and I will be fasting from different things and I was trying to help her understand that. She's almost four years old, and so, you know, I was trying to make it as simple as I could, and I said, you know, we got to say no to some things that we want so we can say yes to some things that God wants, and mommy's fasting this, and daddy's going to be fasting these things, and so Eleanor, you know, I don't want you to fast meals or food, because I know that would be your choice. You want to fast vegetables. I don't think you can do that, but maybe there's something in your life that you could give up. For the next 21 days, you could be a part of it. And we're driving in the car, and she's looking out the window, and she said, yeah, Daddy, I think that's a good idea. I'm going to fast trees for the next 21 days so that I can remember that God is more important than trees. And so you could join Eleanor in fasting trees for the next couple days. Or, or, uh, but, but man, I just, I just can't wait um, to see what God does during this time. The last, last time we did this, um, it was a spiritual awakening for our church and for me, and uh, I just can't wait um, to hear God's story at the end of this, at this, this period of fasting and prayer. Okay, well, we are in a series right now called Uphill Habits, because it's January. And in January, we like to start to think about new beginnings. We like to think about getting things back on track. We resolve to be a better us in the new year. And so that means we come up with all these resolutions. A lot of times they're physical resolutions. You know, I'm going to eat better this year. I'm going to go to the gym better this year. I'm going to do this more this year, that more this year. I like to make physical. I don't actually, actually, I usually don't have to make any physical uh, resolutions because I'm just kind of genetically and naturally shaped like one of the Avengers and so, just kidding, maybe like Groot or something like that, but I'm just kidding. I, 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 uh, I actually have kind of a love-hate relationship with going to the gym, and, uh, and it goes like this. I love or I hate going to the gym, but I love talking about going to the gym, so it's a real love-hate relationship. One of the things that I like to do is when I go to the gym, I like to um, do more weight and repetitions than I'm physically able to do. And see, what that means is that for the next three days, I'm not able to use my legs at all. 
And uh, this is good because it gives you a lot more opportunity to talk about going to the gym, you know? Every time you go to get out of your chair, you're like, ah, oh, sorry, guys, really, really worked out on the leg day this week. I got to, I got to. And so it's kind of a win-win situation. Um, Here's the problem for me when it comes to working out and going to the gym is I've got uphill hopes You know, I want to get in shape, and I want to end up looking like Thor at some point in my life. I think we naturally look a lot alike, and and I just like to get the rest of the way there. And and I've got all these uphill hopes, but I've got downhill habits. I go to the gym once every six months and just try to do an Avengers-style workout, and it doesn't work for me. I think a lot of times we have these uphill hopes and downhill habits. What we want to happen doesn't match up with the way that we're acting for it to happen. You see, a lot of times, we don't understand that we get the results we work for, not the results we hope for. We wish it was the other way around. And so the idea in this series is to make a change this year. Some major shifts, some major changes that if we can turn them into a habit, a real, regular habit, It's got the power to change our lives completely. I think it's time for us to develop some uphill habits. Because if we have the right spiritual habits in our lives, it can change us completely from the inside out. Romans 12, 2 says, so here's what I want you. Romans says, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. If we can learn to lean on God in new ways this year, we will be changed from the inside out and he will develop well-formed maturity within us. So last week, we talked about habit number one, which is focus on what I do first. The principle of priority. How important it is for us to make sure that we do the right thing first thing. This week, I want to talk about habit number two, which is control my thoughts. Control my thoughts. Now here's a habit that will literally change every area of your life. Controlling your thoughts. Now maybe you're thinking, I don't know, JM, that's more of a concept than a habit. Okay, you got me. But listen, controlling your thoughts is going to have to be intentional. It's going to have to be purposeful. And it's going to have to become a habit. Because if we're not intentional about our thought life, if we're not intentional to control our thought life, our thought life will control us. Some of us let our thought lives control us in many different ways. We wake up early in the morning, and the first thing that our thoughts say is, it's too early. It's the alarm goes off, and it says, "Eh, eh, eh." if anybody still has one of those alarms, you got to get an iPhone, right? And the alarm goes off, and the first thing that we think is, oh, it's too early. I didn't get enough sleep last night. It was because of the children. The children kept waking up. My spouse should have gotten up more times than I did last night. And now I'm awake too early and I didn't get enough sleep. And you climb out of bed and your face looks like this. 
And it's the first thing that happens in your day. For so many of us, our first thoughts look like that. I was talking to somebody this week, and she said, listen, I wake up grumpy every day, but sometimes I'll let him sleep in on the weekends. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Come on. It's early. I know. We're going to do this. Listen, it doesn't matter what side of the bed you get up on. Your attitude is not determined by your circumstances. It's determined by your thought life. We've got to learn to control our thoughts. We can control the direction our thoughts lead us. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 2 says, Wise thinking leads to right living, but stupid thinking leads to wrong living. That's the message version. It's a little bit more direct, but I love that verse because it's not complicated. If we can control our thinking, the thoughts that we have, the attitudes that we have, the pathways we allow our thoughts to travel, everything else will be different. We've got to learn how to control our thought life because everything begins with a thought. This week I did something terrible. Uh, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was getting ready for this fast coming up. And a lot of people, wise people, what they'll do in prepare, preparation for a fast is start to like uh, make your diet reduce more and more and kind of gradually work your way into it. That's not my style. See, I like to feast the week before a fast. And so I knew I wouldn't be eating very much fried food or any fried food over the course of this, this fast. And so I really wanted something that was fried and just gratifying for my meal on Thursday at lunch. And so since I grew up in Charleston, one of my favorite foods of all time is fried shrimp. And, uh, and I just had to have some fried shrimp on Thursday. Now, we live in the mountains, just hours away from any natural environment of a shrimp. But I just thought, surely, somewhere around here is going to have some good fried shrimp. And I started thinking, like, who might have some good fried shrimp. And I remembered growing up, uh, we would come up to Spartanburg to visit my grandparents. We would have all this Calabash-style seafood at different restaurants around, fish camps and stuff around Spartanburg. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get some Calabash shrimp. I remember it was pretty good. And so then I thought about where to get that. And I thought, well, Fats Cafe specializes in it. And I don't mean to call a restaurant out from the stage, but I went over to Fats Cafe. I, I ordered some fried shrimp to go and I was so excited about it. They gave me a salad and some fries and some shrimp. I was ready to win lunch. Like I was going to get it to go so I could bring it back to the office and open it up and everybody would be like, ooh, what you got? And, and, uh, and so I picked it up and I'm all excited. I get back to the office and I open up that box and the first thing that hit me was the smell. It was not a good smell. It smelled like shrimp that have, that have been in the back of your truck for a few hours while you're at the beach and you forgot to put them in a cooler. And then you try, you think, should I cook these? And it really just depends on how risky you're feeling that day. That's what it smelled like. And I picked it up and like the batter fell off the shrimp. And then I just decided to eat it and I can still taste it. I can still, it was a bad decision, but it all started with a thought. It just started with this one little idea. It couldn't hurt that much. It couldn't be so bad to just do this one time. I know it's not the right thing to do, but maybe I'll just give it a try. Every action, every attitude, every sin, every failure, and every success, and every good deed, all of it begins with a thought. Our thoughts direct our actions and determine our outcome. The things that are going well and the things that are not going well for us both began in our thought life. So you you can't change your behaviors 
or your outcomes or even your attitudes without first changing your thought life. I try to be very careful about what goes into my mind first thing in the morning. I don't check my emails. Now, I, I'm, I'm very curious naturally. In fact, I'm, a, I'm, I'm as curious as a cat. My friends call me whiskers, okay? <laughs> and, um, and I'm very curious. I can't stand it if there's a little red number next to my email app or my text message app. I can't stand it. I've got to read. I've, I'm just, you know, there's two people in this world. There's one person that's got 1,942 unread emails and there's the person who never has any unread emails, okay? I'm this guy, all right? And I, and I just want to know. And, I, and if my phone buzzes, uh, like, during the night while I'm sleeping, man, I just have to fight it, you know? And if I can make it through the night without reading it, the first thing I want to do when I wake up in the morning is read that email. But I have to be very careful because my thought life is important to me. And here's what I know. All it would take is for me to open up that email and see one crisis, or one problem waiting for me in that email inbox, and it would derail my entire morning, which is a sacred time for my family. It would derail my entire day, because everything would skip off in a direction it's not supposed to go. I'm very careful about what I put into my mind first thing in the morning. I think it matters. Another version of Romans 12:2 in the NLT, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. The NIV says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The basis of this passage is simple. Transformation for us starts in our thoughts, in the way that we think, and the way that we protect them. Because everything begins with a thought. And what we think determines how we feel. What we think determines how we feel. Toxic thoughts lead to toxic emotions. See, our mind and our heart are connected. I'll give you an example. When I was 20 years old, I was in the United States Coast Guard. And uh, that Christmas Eve, we had... Uh, one of my jobs in the Coast Guard, in fact, my primary job, I served on a ship at that time, and we stopped both drug trafficking and human trafficking. That was what we did. And one Christmas Eve, we interdicted a boat that was trafficking 184 people in less than humane conditions. I do not think they would have survived the journey. It was Christmas Eve, and, uh, and I just remember while that was happening, thinking this is important. This, this matters. These, there's going to be 184 people alive for New Year's because we showed up to work this morning. But three days later, I was in port and I was sitting in a bar and I was thinking, my job is important and it matters. And what we're doing is really making a difference. But I still feel so empty inside. And if I can't find purpose here, if I can't find meaning here doing this, how could I ever find any meaning? What, what does any of this even really mean? Is there, is there anything more in this life than this? And that one thought, that line of thinking, that path that I started down, just, just in between Christmas and New Year's, my 20th year led me to a place where I became deeply, completely, emotionally, clinically, chemically, depressed. 
And it started with a thought. And that depression, it didn't disappear when I entered into a relationship with Jesus two years later. That depression ended when this way of thinking ended. Here's the thing. Philippians 4, 8-9 through 9 gives us this list. And it's just simple. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is one of the last things Paul wants to write in the letter to the Philippians. He wants to make sure that as he's leaving, he gives them a guideline for the way to think. Hey, when you think, make sure that it's praiseworthy, that it's excellent. All of these things that you think about should be right and admirable and pure because he understood that our thought life is powerful and the God of peace will be with you is what he finishes the verse with. Think about these things and the God of peace will be with you. You see, there's a direct correlation between the peace in our hearts and the pathway of our thoughts. When we think about the right things, God's peace comes with it. Maybe that's a word for you in 2019. Peace. I like to have a word that I'm praying over and believing on all year long. and Maybe your word this year needs to be peace because maybe it's been a long time since you've really felt it. Maybe peace has been a concept for you for too long now and you just want to know where is the pathway to really finding peace and I want you to know it starts in your thoughts because whatever controls your thoughts controls your future it can be the hope and the truth and the life that comes from the Holy Spirit built on the promises of God or it can be the sinful nature that tells you lie after lie and steals the joy and peace right out from under you. Because there's a war going on for your mind right now. And it's time for us to tip the scales. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 6 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. We've got a choice to make. We've got a choice to make because one way or another, you have a future. You do. You've got a future. What are you going to let control it? Is it going to be death or life? It's time to master this habit. To get control of our thoughts once and for all. The path that our thoughts go down. The way that we allow ourselves to think. Sometimes even the very nature of our thinking has got to shift and has got to change. It's time to learn the difference between the lies and the truth in our thought life. It's time to replace the voice of our enemy with the voice of our creator. Here's how we do it. Number one. Find a plan to control my thoughts. We develop habit number two by starting with a strategy. Everything's got to start with a strategy. I'm kind of a strategy-oriented person. When I go to Disney World, I form a strategy. You know what I'm saying? If my fam- when I wake up on a Friday, our Friday's our day off. And when I wake up on a Friday morning, I've got a strategy for rest of that day. I'm going to make sure that everyone is resting on schedule or else. This is how my mind works, but I believe if we're going to change our thought life, 
We've got to have a plan to do it. We just need a strategy because we want to take negative thoughts and replace them with positive thoughts. We want to take destructive thoughts and replace them with building thoughts. We want to take our defeated thoughts and replace them with a plan for victory. But more than any of that, we need to take it all out and replace it with the things of God. The way we control our thoughts and make them lead us to the outcome we desire is by making them obedient to God. we got to make our thoughts God-centered, and so we need to give ourselves more God-centered thoughts to do it. It's a simple strategy. Here's the plan. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension, that means lie, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We need to make a habit out of controlling our thoughts by taking every negative thought, bad idea, or damaging attitude that crosses our mind captive and making it obedient to the Word of God. Now, I know it's easier said than done to replace bad thoughts with godly ones, but here's a truth we need to let sink in this morning. Nothing is bigger or more powerful than our God. Nothing is bigger. Nothing is more powerful. No name on earth ever comes close to the name of Jesus, to the name of Yahweh. Our God can break every chain, bring light into every area of darkness, and free every prisoner. Maybe you think some people just can't change. I've always been this way. I can't change, but you're wrong. My God can do anything. Maybe you're thinking that it's too late for me. I've gone too far. I've always thought this way. This has always been the way my mind works. It's just my brain. It's not me. But listen to me. If the grave isn't too far for our God to bring us back from, neither is where your thought life has taken you. It can change. It can change. Our God can do it. But you've got to understand there's a war going on in the realm of the spiritual between light and darkness. We can't always see it, but we can always feel it. And the good news is this. We already know who's going to win this war. The end has been written, and God gets the victory. So what we need to do is learn how to fight to reduce the casualties in our mind. And our plan is very simple. We learn to identify the lies, the destructive thinking, the thought patterns that get us where we don't want to go. We circle it in our mind and we take it captive to replace it with God's truth. There's going to be some homework involved in this habit. We're going to have to learn to read more, to get into God's word more and more. We cannot replace the bad thoughts with the right ones if we don't know what his word says in the first place. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul from spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of God can judge your thoughts, convict the wrong ones, and teach you the right ones. We need the Word of God in prayer if we're going to beat these bad thought patterns. How is very simple. Pray. Pray the Scriptures. Pray the Scriptures. If you're you're captive right now to your thought life, and if you don't have total control over it, then whatever you're currently doing isn't currently working. 
If you say, well, I do pray and I do read the Bible, but you're still trapped in the wrong thought patterns and your thoughts are still taking you to places you don't want to go and you know that where your heart is right now isn't where it needs to be, then whatever got you to where you're at right now isn't working. It's time to, it's time to change the game a little bit. We need to read more. We need to pray more. We've got to learn how to pray the scriptures because prayer works. Time spent with God transforms you and renews your mind. And we've got to learn to read the scriptures more and more. If you're in a season of discipline, a new discipline, like learning to control your thought life, I would encourage you that you need a season where you read the Bible more than you're doing other things. Where you read, look at your screen time at the end of the day on your phone. I would encourage you that in a season like this, the Bible needs to be more than your screen time. You need to be spending more time retraining your thought life than you are relaxing, watching cooking shows at the end of the nights. I'm telling you, for a season, we've got to try something new. We've got to do something different. Start memorizing some scripture. We gave you this morning a sheet, a printout. We gave it to you last year. Maybe you've already memorized all of them by now. But it's, it's got the promises of God on there. It's about 50 promises of God from scripture. If you're learning to retrain your thoughts, these are the weapons you will need for the battle. Take out this sheet, take it home, put it on your desk. I keep mine on my desk right up where I can see it when I need to. Or take it to your bedroom and put it on your dresser where you'll see it every morning. Take it to your place. If you've got a, a place in your home where you study scripture every day, leave it right there. And just, just make it a commitment to start one by one memorizing these verses, these promises from our Father. And when you feel like it is time for your thoughts to start to take another direction, and when you can feel they're going the wrong way, your plan, your strategy is to take that thought captive and make it obedient to God by repeating the promises that He's given you. Second thing that we need to do is find a place to think our thoughts. Find a place to think my thoughts. Here's what I mean. We need to create a daily habit of reading God's word and prayer. Just a daily habit. A minute ago, I was talking about spiritual warfare. This is different. This is what I was talking about last week. I got a spoiler for you. Uh, every one of these habits, I'm going to talk a lot about how important it, is, how important it is for us to read the Bible and pray every day. Because if you only get one thing out of a series with four habits in it, if you only change one thing about your life and it's a daily habit of scripture reading and prayer, 2019 will be a different year for you. I promise you. Nothing impacts my life more than my daily habit of scripture reading and prayer. Nothing. Nothing has a greater advantage. Last week we talked about the first 15. Five minutes of worship, five minutes of scripture, five minutes of prayer. You can do that every day. And when you do, it sets the tone for your day and it creates a place for you to think the right thoughts first thing in your day, which helps you to think the right thoughts for the rest of your day. God's word says in Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. If we can just start our day by fixing our thoughts on him, there's that word again, peace that could follow you through the rest of the day. Colossians 3.2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. We've just got to set the tone well by having an intentional place in our day every day to think the right thoughts so that it can give us greater control over our thought life for the rest of the day. We talked about it last week. We'll talk about it next week. 
We need to learn a daily habit of scripture reading and prayer. Third thing that we need to do is find a person to stretch my thoughts. Find a person to stretch my thoughts. Here's the key to this one. Join a life group or even lead a life group. Man, I'm so inspired by that video Chelsea presented. And I know Chelsea pretty well. And I can tell you that I can see the difference it makes in her life to be able to lead a life group. And Chelsea be the first one to tell you, this is a scary thing for her natural wiring and personality. She's an introvert. She gets nervous. But God called her to do it. She's been obedient and lives are changing as a result of it. Maybe it's time for you to lead a life group. I'm just saying, when you get the right relationship in your life, it can change you quickly. Have you ever been around somebody, or maybe it's been you, that got the wrong influence in their life? Because all it takes is one wrong relationship to derail the path of your life almost overnight. The good thing about that is the same is true for the right relationship. When you get the right relationship in your life, it can set you on the right path and keep you moving that way for good. One of the reasons we named this church the Gathering Church is because this was so important to us. This idea that we were made for relationship. That we were made to gather together, not just on Sunday mornings. This isn't where the life change happens, I don't think. I think that what we're doing right now, this right here, this is a stepping off point. This is a little push. This is a boost forward. But real life change is what happens in relationship. It's time to join a life group and start building the right relationships. We're in between semesters right now, but in just a couple weeks, you're going to start hearing us talk over and over again about life groups. We'll be doing sign-ups, and we'll kick off the new semester. And I'm just telling you, if you want to get your life, your thought life back on the right track, you've got to get the right people in your life to stretch your thoughts. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There is healing in relationship. There is healing in the prayers of somebody over us. In fact, James says, the prayers of a righteous person are both powerful and effective. We need somebody in our lives that we confess to, that we pray with. And I'm just telling you, it's easier to find than you think it is because at the gathering, we're very intentional about creating environments for this. When we join a life group, this is a place designed not just for you to go to a Bible study that you could benefit from or a book study that you could benefit from for a few weeks and move on. That's not the point of life groups. The point of life groups is for you to build a relationship that will stretch you and grow you and move you closer to Jesus. you got to go to life group on a mission to find the right person. Now, if you're single, this has more than one meaning. But listen, it's easy to go to life group and just check it out and scope it out and see what you think. It's easy to go to life group and just participate a little bit and check that box off for the week. I did it. I'm a good Christian. I went to church twice this week. But if you really want to build life-giving relationships, you're going to have to want it. You're going to have to get vulnerable. You're going to have to be real with people. You're going to have to ask questions when it's uncomfortable to ask questions. You can do this even if you're an introvert. I know, but, but you can. I'm an introvert, and I grow so much out of life groups. You've got to get in there. You've got to find somebody that you've got chemistry with, and then build up a relationship that will build you up. The fourth thing that we need to do is find a purpose 
to land our thoughts. Find a purpose to land our thoughts. This is important. Because if you're going to control your thoughts, you need somewhere to land them. You need something to drive them forward, to move them. And that can be a relationship with God, but your relationship with God is driven and defined by the purpose He placed inside of you. You were born with a purpose. You're not an accident. You're not just here to drift through life. God had a dream in mind for you the moment you were created. At the moment of your creation, He began to form you, to put things inside of you, to put passions and gifts in your heart that would be serving Him here in this life. Your purpose can drive your thought life to the place it needs to be. Ephesians 2.10 says, You're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good works He prepared in advance for you to do. Good works that He prepared in advance, a purpose that can drive you and help you control your thought life. I mentioned earlier that my depression began with a thought, and it was a thought about purpose. I was just absolutely empty of it. I, I felt like I had big things I was supposed to do in this life, and I thought I would find that doing that job in the Coast Guard, and I did not. And I was crushed by that. And that pattern of thought led me into a deep place of depression. And what got me out of that depression was another thought about purpose. You see, I was uh, 22 years old. I'd been a Christian now for about a year. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 21. And towards the end of my 22nd year, I felt God call me to do something I never expected. To be a pastor of a church. To pastor this church. And I, at 22 years old, I felt God say, I've got a dream for you. I put all this inside of you for this reason. Let's get you there. And from that moment forward, things were different for me. I didn't stop being depressed that day. It's not how depression works. You don't just wake up one day and feel like, hey, things are great. Let's, let's do this thing. No, it took time. But here was that at, the, at the center of my depression was this thought. You're not good enough. You're never going to do anything important. This life doesn't mean anything. It was just on repeat every morning when I would wake up. And after God gave me my call and I found my purpose in Him and started moving forward in it, those thoughts were still there every morning when I would wake up, except now there was a difference. I had hope. I had hope. And I had an answer for Him. And I knew they were lies. And I knew God had a truth. I would hear that voice saying, you're not enough. You're not good enough. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going anywhere. You don't have a purpose. And I would say, no, that's not true. I'm a child of God. I'm set apart for him. I'm called to his purpose. He's going to use me in his church. And all of this isn't true anymore. And it took me about a year, but I got free from that depression. It was hard work, but it was possible because of the hope I had for the future. We can do something hard like learning to control our thoughts when we understand the hope that is ahead of us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He's got plans to give you hope and a future. And maybe there's someone in here this morning who is like me, who just doesn't see the better days ahead. And I need you to hear it from me this morning that you have hope and a future. That He's got a dream for you. That it's out in front of you. And when you let that hope drive you, 
you can change the direction of your thoughts. Let us help you discover your purpose. That's, that's one of our dreams at the Gathering Church. Purpose was so important in my life, and now it's such an important part of our church because I feel like it's so important in a walk with Jesus in our, in our Christian life to understand our purpose. And so one of the things that we do at the Gathering is we want to help you figure that out. So if you come today to Growth Track Step 2, I want to walk with you to help you discover how your design reveals your destiny and how the way that God made you points to what He made you for. Help, let us help you discover your purpose this morning. The last thing, number five, for this habit is we need to find a power to fuel my thoughts. There's good news this morning. This is hard stuff. Changing your thought life. Maybe you're, you're becoming aware of how your attitude and your thoughts and your circumstances and all of it, how, how all of it has, has led you to a place you don't want to be as a person. Maybe you're starting to figure that out and you're just wondering, how am I ever going to get to a place where it's better? How am I ever going to get to a place where I'm free of that, where my thoughts are taking me down the roads I want to travel, to the place I want to be, to the circumstances I want for my life, to the decisions I want to make, to the relationships I want to have? How are, how are my thought life ever going to change? How's my attitude ever going to change? How are these thoughts ever going to go away? It doesn't seem possible. And even if I have the plan and the strategy, I just don't know. I've got good news for you this morning. You don't have to do it on your own. You see, one of the things about our Father is He's a good Father. He knows you intimately. And He knows your capabilities and He knows your limitations. And wherever your limitations are, that's where the Holy Spirit takes over. You see, He gave you a gift. In fact, Jesus is having the Last Supper with His disciples. And He's telling them that He's going away. They're pretty sad about that. They've been with Him. They thought it would always be this way. And Jesus is saying, I've got to go. This is it. This is our goodbye dinner. And after this, I've got to go. And they're sad about that. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't be sad. Because when I go, I'm sending an advocate behind me. When I go, I'm sending a counselor behind me. When I go, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And when my spirit is here, it'll be even better than having me here with you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Jesus said, it's better for you to have his spirit living inside of you than it would be to have him sitting next to you. You've got a power that you can tap into this morning. And you can change your thought life because of the power that can fuel your thoughts. He's right there. He's waiting. He's willing. And he will carry you into freedom. Ephesians 3.20. And I'm going to read it in the NKJV because I like it old school. It's the best benediction in the world. Paul says, Holy Spirit says through Paul, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, be all the glory and the honor and power forever and ever. Amen. He's able to do it. More than you'd ever ask or think, he's able to do it. He's got the power. He's got the ability. He can change your thoughts. You've got to give him the space. You've got to give him the place to do it. You've got to have relationships that keep you in check. You've got to make some right choices. Develop some good habits, some good practices. 
And then you got to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out. His power will work into us if we let Him. I want to share something with you because this is the year you learn to control your thoughts. This is the year your thoughts stop controlling you. Maybe you're like me. Now I'm free of my depression. I'm free of it. God broke that chain. But it does try to come back from time to time, especially in hard seasons. And I wake up with these thoughts in my head. John Mark, you're not good enough for this. Who are you trying to kid? Think you're a pastor? You're going to fail. It's too hard. And those thoughts can corrupt very quickly. It just takes one, doesn't it? It just takes one little thought and it leaks from your mind down into your soul and it begins to hurt. One of my pastors shared this practice that he has, a creed that he recites every morning. And he got it from one of his pastors. And I've started saying this every morning in my quiet time. It's not a prayer. It's a declaration. And honestly, it's for me. But I thought it might benefit you. And um, I'm actually going dark on social media starting tomorrow. But before I do tonight, I'll put this up on my Instagram story. Or I'll put it on the church one. Follow us at Gather Asheville or at JM Redwine. I'll put it on both. It's a declaration that I need to be reminded of. And it helps me control these thoughts. It goes like this. Jesus is first in my life. I exist to glorify, worship, and serve Him. I love my wife, and I will lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve Him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, love, empower, and equip them to do more for God's kingdom than I could possibly imagine. I am growing closer to Jesus every single day. I am anointed, equipped, empowered, and called to reach people far from God. My words, thoughts, and imaginations are under the power of Christ. I take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ each and every day. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every single day of my life. I love people. And I choose to believe the best about them. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am anointed, creative, innovative, and blessed because of the Holy Spirit living within me. I will bring my best today and every day. The world will be different and it will be better because I served Jesus today with everything that I have. I am a child of the Most High God and He is proud of me. You just got to keep saying it. You got to keep saying it. You got to set your thoughts on the right direction. Every day you got to get up and say, not today. Today it's going to go the right way. I'm going to say right now, this is who I am. This is who he's called me to be. This is who I am for my wife. This is who I am for my children. This is who I am for my city. This is who I am for me. And I'm going to get it going in the right way because my thought life is going to rescue me. It's not going to bring me down. My thought life is going to bring me closer to the one who created me and called me. It's not going to drag me away from him. It's not going to happen again. I will take captive every thought and I will make it obedient to the one who has called me into this good work. We can do it, church. We can change our thoughts. And it starts with a habit. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I thank you for the way you've called me. God, I thank you for, for the way that you've called me to serve you. And so, God, I give you my thoughts. I give you the direction of my thoughts. I give you the attitude of my thoughts, Lord. I know, Lord, that it's my thought life, not my circumstances, that determine who I am every day, the attitude I carry every day. And I'll choose to be more like you and less like me. As your word says, God, God, become more and more that I might become less and less. Become more and more that I might become less and less. Lord, we give you our thought life. I ask your Holy Spirit to just swell within us that your power would help us to change things that are too strong for us to change. To break chains that are too thick, that have gone on for too long for us to change. God, may your Holy Spirit's power transform and renew our minds, Lord. We give you our thoughts. We lay them down at the foot of your cross this morning. And we thank you that because of the cross, because of your son Jesus, because of his blood, we get to have the power of his spirit inside of us. So God, we just we give it to you this morning. And we continue to submit 2019 to you, Father. This is your year. This isn't the year for us to look back and say, look what I did. This is the year for us to look back and say, look what God did. We worship you, God. We begin this 21 days of prayer and fasting by commissioning this fast to you. God, teach us to say no to our flesh. That we might lean more and more on your spirit. That your spirit would fill us up, God. That you would sustain us. That you would carry us through. That you would renew and transform us, God. We worship you. We honor you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.